Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I'm your host today. Thanks so much for finding some time in your busy day to spend with me. I recently read an article on the CNBC site, and the title of it was, Franchising Industry is Poised to Rebound After COVID. Part of the article read like this, After a year um, marked by business closures, disruptions, and unprecedented challenges, the franchise industry is poised to bounce back to pre-pandemic levels by year end. Uh, They also included a quote by Robert um, Crisanti, who is the president and CEO of International Franchise Association, and the quote was, through quick adaptability, scalable technology, and a focus on uh, on in-demand products and services, the franchise sector has shown its resilience time and again. And that really speaks probably to all businesses, but I believe that the franchise business model certainly is um, very adaptable when it comes to um, challenges. So that is going to be the subject for today's conversation with Eric Killian. And he is, uh, he's actually a returning guest uh, who is second generation CPA firm owner and the founder of The Fitness CPA. So please help me in welcoming Eric to the show. Eric, thank you so much for returning. Wow, Linda, thanks for having me back on. You know, it's only been four months since I was on the show last, but I do feel like so much has changed in the franchising and small business ownership landscape since the last time we spoke, and so I'm I'm really glad we can catch up today. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, four months ago, I don't know that anybody still, I think they were still reeling a bit and struggling with um, some of the crises that were going on and didn't have a plan going forward. But let's talk today, Eric, about the pandemic and how it has impacted so many business owners. And where do they go from here, Eric? Yeah, and and I think that's a a great way to start off. And just for anybody who's catching this podcast, maybe they've got it on their player a couple of weeks from now, where we sit today is June 8th, 2021. So, you know, we're we're kind of coming hopefully towards the end of this um, worst parts of the pandemic. And it seems like we're starting to come out of this and see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, as I think for your listening, your listenership, as we think about franchises, 
um, you know, there's something to consider here. I, I really like what you had mentioned at the top of the, 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 the show here, talking about that quote. And we do see in franchise models, uh, we see less risk of closure. They have lower close rates. They have higher success rates. Um, and we see that with franchise models across the U.S., primarily due to the systems and processes and even that brand equity that they have in the market. And so as folks are you know, looking to make an investment or maybe looking to expand their current franchise or get into a different one, we do look at franchise models as we would call them risk averse. It's not that they're without risk. You still have a lot of due diligence. You know, I'm the CPA, so we've got to make sure the numbers are good and everything is a good story. But if you're going to be out there trying to do something on your own as compared to a franchise model, we, we do just statistically across the board see less risk with the franchise models. And so to tie that back into the next part of our conversation, if people are uh, looking to own a business and move forward into the rest of 2021, I think a franchise is a really reasonable response to the climate right now. You know, you, you want to get in with a brand who has it kind of figured out. They understand how to navigate some of the lingering effects of COVID. And then when COVID's gone, they're going to be there to support you. It's not right for everybody, but I think it can be something that, you know, we're all probably looking to reduce our risk as we go forward into 2021 until the future is completely clear. And I think a franchise model is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I saw in last year during, I'm glad you mentioned the date, uh, last year when I was interviewing franchisors in 2020 and uh, we were in the thick of it, I specifically would ask them, what, ha what have you done differently to support your franchisees? And Eric, I was blown away at how the, many of these franchisors stepped up immediately taking action, offering more uh, products and services that were distance friendly, um, even going as far as contacting landlords, renegotiating their leases. Um, are those some of the things that you were seeing uh, with some of the clients you work with as well? Not so much from the franchisor side on renegotiating leases um, mm -hmm. across the board, but we had some that really excelled. And, and I always like this a third, a third, a third rule. You know, when it comes to franchisors, when it comes to franchisees, when it comes to really any product or service provider, we have a third that really blow it out of the water. They do a great job. They have, you know, perfect service and people love working with them. We've got a third who do acceptable um, and we have a third who really, you know, could be doing better. And I think we saw that across franchisors as well. Some franchisors went above and beyond. They had their legal teams, they had their consult teams, and they were giving their franchisees the support they needed to make it through this pandemic. We had a third that were doing what they were supposed to, but I wouldn't say they were going above and beyond. And then unfortunately, we did have, did have a third that said, you know, hey, good luck, um, you know, and, and hopefully we see you at the end of this, which wasn't <laughs> ideal. Um, but, you know, there, there are people out there that that's, that's just how they're running their businesses, unfortunately. Mm. And so for the person that's listening out there today, Eric, and maybe they are considering um, looking at different franchises, um, concept, what are some of the conversations they sh could, should consider including in their conversation when they do their due diligence with the franchisors? Should there be additional questions added because of what we just experienced last year? 
Absolutely, right. And, and so this is what we call that due diligence phase where you really need to be making sure that, you know, what, you're, what you think you're buying is actually what you're getting. And the franchisees that they're going to put you in touch with, and let me rephrase that, the franchisees that the franchisor will put you in touch with are generally going to be singing their praises from the rooftops. They're going to be their success cases, the ones that are doing very well. And that's great. You should talk with those individuals. And you should talk to the franchisor to hear what they have to say about how they supported their franchisees um, through the pandemic and really outside of the pandemic, because that's where we're headed. This, this conversation here is still talking about the pandemic, but this conversation will be relevant here through the end of 2021 and into 2022, because it's not just about COVID. It's about how does you know, the franchisor support them and what are some of the tips that you know, individuals need to be thinking about as they emerge from the COVID climate. And so, you know, they should be talking with those franchisees that are referred to them. But my favorite one is to look at that FDD and go and look at the list of all of the franchisees and start with the ones that are local in your area, if there are, and call the ones that aren't on that list. It's the same thing that I do when I talk to uh, potential candidates to hire as employees for our team. They might have their references down but I actually want to talk to the employers that aren't on their reference list and, and really get the true story. And usually it's not terrible, but you get, um, you know, a more forthcoming and candid conversation with a franchise. And that is your right. Their phone numbers are there. Their emails are there. You know exactly where those locations are. And you can contact and should contact, I recommend, at least five franchisees that are not on the franchisor's reference list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I think having that conversation with those franchisees, existing franchisees, and ask that question, how were you supported during the pandemic? Because the franchisor, they may have uh, a different recollection of what 2020 looked like. And to, but to get it from a franchisee, I think that's probably um, a really, uh, that is really good advice, don't you think? Oh, well, yeah, that's why I gave it. I mean, I, I yeah. think, and, and the reason is because not a lot of people are doing that. Um, mm-hmm. We do see a few um, that contact the franchisees, but, you know, by and large, they're usually just accepting what's um, given them at face value. And I, I would never sit here and say that any franchisor is being malicious, but we all want to put our best foot forward. Um, and I think if you're considering uh, partnering up with a franchisor, you should have all of the information to make a really well-informed decision. And that means hearing some of the good that, and, and that you know, has been put in front of you and also maybe hearing some of the bad or the realistic and just going in eyes wide open. Um, and, and so as we start to think about you know, what we should expect to see you know, going into 2021, you know, I, I think there's probably two different types of franchisors that we probably put in two different buckets. There's the franchisors who, you know, were really affected by COVID. Those are the ones who are going to have some just, you know, some heartbreaking stories, some bankruptcies, but also very nimble locations, people that navigated, uh, folks that did well under adversity. And then you're going to have a second set of folks, um, you know, primarily service-based businesses, um, you know, lawn care, plumbing, electricians, you know, these, these types of groups that really weren't affected by COVID. And so for those franchisors, it's going to be a lot of business as usual. When you ask them about the pandemic and how they supported, they're probably going to be saying, you know, we were, you know, um, you know, sales were up, we were moving full steam ahead. And, and that's good, right? You, they're not going to have some, um, 
COVID recovery story because they did well through the pandemic. The ones that I, like my clients, the fitness franchisees, which we have bunches of, those are the ones that, you know, really do have these challenging stories and you, you want to be hearing at least some of the right things um, about how their franchisor supported them and how their model um, matured and evolved to respond to COVID and a post-COVID climate. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did interview several franchise uh, um, fitness franchises last year, and it was amazing. I think those were some of the ones that I was most impressed with um, because they came out of COVID with additional products and services. So I don't want to paint gloom and doom. I think sometimes a crisis or a challenge can really push us to become more creative. I don't know if I shared this fact before on our last one. Uh, Apologies if I did. But um, during the Great Depression of the 1930s, in the recovery of that, there were more millionaires created than any other time in history. Yeah. Isn't that amazing to think that? And folks, if you're listening, again, I don't want to paint the gloom and doom because just as Eric said, there were some industries that absolutely soared during this time, having record sales. So, but that presents another problem within itself, doesn't it, Eric, growing too quickly? Yep, and, and people call that a problem, but a good problem is still a problem. Um, mm-hmm. Scaling issues can be one of the most challenging things as a business owner. Um, now, if you you know are growing and you have individual units, you can um, add on units during good times. You can you know start talking about taking over new trade areas. Um, you can you know expand operations and bring additional crews on, whatever that means for your business. Um, but those all face their own set of challenges, and so you just have to be. I think a lot of business owners chase growth just for growth's sake, but one of my coaches likes to say, do you want what that means? Um, mm. And so, you know, if you're going to grow in, you know, three, four, five X, you know, it means that you're going to be taking on a lot of challenges um, and, and they could be great challenges. You might be excited for that, but I think some people need to just, you know, step back and say, you know, maybe I'm happy where I am. Um, or maybe I just want a little bit of growth and I want to make sure that we're providing excellent customer experience, that we're still living by our company values, and that you know, we still have a brand that we can be proud of without um, things falling through the cracks. Yeah, most definitely. Eric, do you think that the franchise business model, the franchise community, do you think it has been altered forever for whatever that means? Do you think there's been permanent changes in the way the franchise business model looks? Wow, that's a great question. Um, And I would like to say yes, but, you know, what we know about human nature, I think, is that we have short-term memories. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who will take these lessons and heed them and carry them on forever. But I would say the majority, maybe 50, 60 percent or more, will soon forget that this happened and they may be doomed to repeat the lessons that, you know, have happened in the past. Um, However, I like to think that again, you know, that top third, you know, is really going to heed this stuff and and make it better um, and make them better for the future. I'd like to say that, you know, we've evolved um, a little Mm -hmm. bit in every time, right? We are always taking steps forward and, and learning from the past. 
But what we know about franchisors in general, if we are being honest with them, they are running businesses too. And while they are invested in your success and you know, they want you to be successful, you know, they have a model. And so um, not all of the responsibility falls on their shoulders. You know, as a business owner, um, if you choose to buy a franchise, you know, it's your responsibility to make sure that you, know, you execute on that vision, that you bring the right amount of capital, that you um, have the right team on board, and you know, the responsibility ultimately you know, stops with the franchisee. Um, now, a great franchisor can make a big difference, and, and we hope that the two of those groups learn to work a lot better. You know, we saw franchisors who would never, ever give royalty abatements. They would never you know, right. meet halfway with franchisees, mm -hmm. and they were saying, you know what, don't worry about this month. Don't yep. worry about that month. And we'll help you out here. And so I do think in some ways the pandemic has made everybody a little bit more sensitive to the pains that someone's going through. Um, and, and I'd like to think we're all going to be better for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would like to think that as well. And, you know, one of the questions that I get as a franchise broker is, uh, what industry should I look at? What industry should I not look at? Which ones were hit harder than others? How do you answer that question, Eric? <laughs> um, I may have a unique approach here, but I think there are, are two mindsets as far as business ownership. Um, and, you know, they're the first two blogs I wrote on our website. You can go to thefitnesscpa.com backslash blog. And the very first two, I wrote 10 reasons not to own a fitness business and the only two reasons you should own a fitness business. And I think we could replace fitness business with franchise. Um, mm -hmm. And there are a lot of reasons that people buy and, you know, they, they buy for the wrong reasons. I think the, the two reasons you should buy would be um, that you have enough money to invest and you're aware of those risks. And then the other reason would be um, you cannot see yourself doing anything else. You know, you mm -hmm. have a passion, that, a fire inside of you that cannot be quelled by anything else um, in the world, and, and you must go into it. And so we see this in fitness. It can be very saturated market, depending on the location. Not all. We, we have people that open up in unsaturated markets all the time and do really well. But if you open up a, a fitness franchise or, for that matter, any business in, you know, downtown L.A., New York, even here where I am in Denver, you're going to face a lot of competition. Not impossible, but you're going to face that competition. And so um, when someone's looking to pick a model to open or a business model to answer your question, I personally believe that they need to approach it from one of those two angles. They need to really understand either A, what they're very passionate about. You know, I mean, if you're going to be opening, um, you know, a plumbing business, you know, you, you might not, you know, dream about plumbing your whole life, but, you know, you probably have to like the work. Um, you know, you've got to understand what it means to serve clients and, you know, be an expert in your field. Um, you know, if, if you've always dreamed of, of opening a fitness business, um, you know, that's great. You, you should pursue some of those passions. So I like to say, you know, your customers can sense your passion or not. Hopefully mine comes through for the fitness industry and a lot of our content that we put out there and YouTube and on our website. Um, and, and that passion really should come through in your work. And if you don't go the passion route, there is the other route, which means the good investment route. And that means that you're approaching it from a business standpoint, from an investor standpoint, and then you need the numbers to math out. You've got to make sure that, you know, you're not just buying to buy, but that all the economics work out, that the rent is reasonable, that the overhead costs look good, that 
the psychographics and demographics in the market that you want to open up will support that model, that there maybe isn't too much saturation or competition in the area. And so I think that that mindset really needs to have a ton more due diligence, not that both approaches don't need due diligence, um, but you know, I, I would approach it from those two perspectives rather than looking at a specific industry, figure out, am I called in one direction or is it a good investment? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. You know, one of the things that I tell my clients is unless you are extremely passionate, like you said, have a fire in your belly for a specific product or service, then let's just take the widget off the table. Because if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, it doesn't matter what the widget is. Then we just need to make sure, like you said, that the numbers work, that, you know, what the rent looks like and all of that, and then you find the widget that actually matches that. So, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed coming out of the fitness industry during this time is what I believe they were calling a micro gym, a smaller footprint. Uh, I I wonder if that, that will be something that will be more appealing to people instead of going to the big box gyms. What are your thoughts on that? I think they serve different purposes. Um, the big box gyms have a place, you know, it's a high volume, low fee opportunity, usually paired with some personal training and some additional uh, revenue streams. Um, the micro gym is really in response to the boutique studio industry. And so um, the boutique studio industry typically has high cost of rent. It has high labor costs. They're in, you know, these really nice retail centers, which are gorgeous, and they've got good drive-by traffic, um, but, you know, they have high costs. And I think as you're, you know, thinking about ways to mitigate risk, you know, you do want to try to reduce your overhead expenses. But as we reduce the footprint of any concept, especially fitness, we also reduce our our profit potential. So when I think about these micro facilities, um, the typical person that's going to purchase those is going to be the owner-operator who um, loves personal training, who wants to do that one-on-one coaching, you know, you're not going to have 50 people in there at a time um, doing a group-based class or trying different equipment um, in an open gym style. In the micro gym, it's going to be a lot of one-on-one training, and you can do great with that model um, as long as you know what you're getting. And, of course, you don't have to work in the business, but I would say that the person who runs that facility, if you hire someone or choose to hire someone, the manager or the main trainer there, um, you know, is, is going to be the person that makes the difference. Um, that micro gym is going to be built on one-on-one relationships and can be successful, but that profit earning potential, you know, I'm just going to roughly characterize it as somewhere in the fifty dollars to $100,000 a year mark rather than six figures plus for some of the, the larger facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And um, it is for that, that owner-operator that wants a more – intimate workout relationship with their clients, I believe. Um, like you said, they, you know, they want to be a part of that. But hey, you know, if you're, if you're a trainer and you're hearing this or you yeah. know, you're looking at any micro concept and you've got a day job and it pays you $50,000, $60,000 a year, um, yeah. if, you, if you've got a good franchisor that's got a good smaller concept and you can make fifty or $60,000 doing having your own brand and having your own vision, that's appealing for a lot of people. In a lot of franchise concepts, we find that someone is, and not in a derogatory way, in a very positive way, 
Um, we say that they're buying a job, um, mm-hmm. and it means that they are going to be working. They are going to be doing the day-to-day, um, but they're their, they're their own employer. And for some folks, that's just enough. They don't need to make millions. They just want to earn a living and have what we might call a lifestyle business with a solid mm-hmm. brand and backing and process that they don't have to invent from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very good point. I was speaking to a franchisor just the other day, and he was painting the picture of multiple locations. And I just had to back him up and say, now, if they don't want the multiple locations, if they're okay with one location, that's fine as well. Because that's the great thing about franchising. It is so scalable. It really is, you can grow it as much as you want. That may mean multiple locations. That may mean just one location that you're managing. Absolutely. Yep. Could, couldn't agree more. You have lots of flexibility. And if you're um, you know, feeling a lot of pressure to buy multiple units, I would really encourage you to step back and yeah. um, have a conversation with your consultants, have a conversation with your CPA and you know, perhaps a loved one or spouse and really think about it. We see a lot of people push to buy two, three, or even five units who really aren't ready for it. And I, I do understand wanting to potentially lock up a trade area for future expansion. But if you really aren't sure, you know, investing, say, $100,000 for multiple units, um, you know, I'm, I'm not always so certain that the multi-unit location purchase up front is right for everybody, um, though yeah. that does seem to be what a lot of franchisors want someone to purchase. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you 100% on that. So, uh, Eric, I need to take a quick commercial break. Um, but I tell you what, I love stories, and I just have a feeling you may have some stories you could share with us when we come back. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Wonderful. Folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. We'll be back with more from The Fitness CPA. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here, and I am here with Eric Killian, and he is the Franchise CPA. And we're talking about post-COVID and what that 
looks like, what that landscape looks like post-COVID. And it's, it's certainly, I believe, that the, it's very promising. There are so many things, great things that have come out of um, COVID, as we were mentioning earlier, that many times during a challenging time, an economical challenging time, that's when some really creative products and services come out. Uh, when we broke for commercial break, Eric, I asked if you happen to have some stories you could share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so we work exclusively with fitness businesses, many of which are franchises. And you know, as we look at recovery over the rest of this year, I really do think we're, we're looking at this timeline um, of probably six months so we get to the December of 2021, and then 2022, I'm hoping, will be more of a return to normal. And so, you know, we have clients who are taking a lot of actions between now and then. Um, and I'm happy to share some of those stories here. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that we, as, as an overriding concept that we want to share is just to stay hungry. I think during COVID, there were a lot of, you know, business owners who, who really had a fire underneath them. They were realizing it was survival mode, and they made a lot of difficult choices. Right now, we want to make sure that you're watching your expenses and that you're not adding back all of the extra fat that you trimmed during COVID because many of those who have suffered in our industry and others you know, cannot afford it. If your business didn't suffer or your, your concept that you're looking at didn't suffer through COVID, this may not be as applicable to you if you did really well through the crisis and continue to do well. But, you know, the clients that we're working with, you know, we're meeting with on a quarterly basis and helping them understand, you know, where their expenditures are, helping them, you know, really ensure that before they, you know, the classic one is your team, right? Your team has been there. You can count on them. They've, you know, made it through a really difficult time with you. And we have clients that we're working with right now who are, you know, wondering, you know, can I give my manager back to full pay? Can I give my team, you know, commission structures again? You know, can I, you know, we took pay reductions during the worst months of COVID. You know, we want to reward them again. And when we're working with our clients, we want to make sure that the business is at least profitable and able to cover all of its own expenses before we increase the team's pay. And that can be a little bit hard because there's often a lag time in the recovery. You know, we have a client right now who is doing better, but they haven't managed to amass enough money to pay their landlord back the full rent amount. For them, the rent is very expensive. It's about $23,000 a month. And they're looking at doing team raises when they can't afford to pay their landlord. And, you know, we had to step back and work with them and say, look, I, I know you want to help your team, but let's amass enough cash to maybe pay two months worth of rent and have that in the bank before we start rewarding the team. And, and those are hard conversations because everybody wants to, you know, get back to where we were before, but that delay in recovery means that we still need to be a little bit lean for a few months more. Um, we don't just want to add back all of those expenses in, even if they are some difficult decisions that you have to make. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a really good point because you can't just, step back in tomorrow thinking that it's going to be like it was in 2019 because it's not. There are still issues that, that we're having to deal with. So you, you can't continue business as it was in 2019, can you? No, and, and, you know, people are looking at a plan, which I think is really great. A lot of our clients mm -hmm. are looking at a plan to recover from this. Um, one of our clients took on a good bit of debt on some what I would call maybe shorter-term loan um, instruments. 
Um, we actually got an email from them this morning. They're in the West Hollywood area in California, and they got a deal from their lender. And the lender said, you owe us $62,000. If you pay us twenty five. dollars we will write off the rest of the debt. Oh, now, my I know <laughs> I know we're on a podcast, but for all those listening, that's basically a $40,000 <clears> savings. <throat> and wow. um, we, we have seen these deals before. They do come up, and um, you know the, the debtor is looking to clear their balance sheet. Um, they're looking – they probably have identified certain clients as you know, maybe not collectible – and for whatever reason, they've made this offer, and it's an incredible offer that we just can't turn down. You know, I told my client uh, this morning, I said, hey, you know, I won't bill you for a couple of months, and you can make it up to me later, because I really, really don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. And for them, it's hard. They, they barely have the $25,000 in the bank account, and it's going to eat up all of their, um, their cash flow, but you can't turn down an offer like that. And so... In that stay hungry mindset, I would I would say look for opportunities here because there's a lot of opportunities as COVID wanes that you know if your eyes are wide open you're going to see them you're going to be able to take advantage and you're going to be able to either a recover or b be more profitable because um, of of staying hungry when a lot of people are easing off the gas pedal and and you're still on the gas pedal looking for the best way for success. Wow. You know, Eric, thinking about that situation, I know it's um, they're going to have to really, um, you know, tighten the belt to make that happen. But that additional debt cancellation could mean the difference in them staying, um, keeping their doors open and being more profitable down the road, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, being able to clear debt off of like that, you know, it's a weight off of your shoulder. Imagine mm-hmm. not having a monthly car payment or if you're a business owner, a monthly debt payment or losing a mortgage. It really frees you up so that you can make better decisions for your business. Um, and sometimes, sure, it'll keep literally the doors open. But I also think that it allows you to say, hey, you know, I have $300 I can put into a a team member that I've been meaning to hire or $1,000 a month I've been meaning to put into marketing or advertising. You know, they say it takes money to make money. And so, um, you know, this opportunity, I think, does both for them in that, you know, it'll reduce the balance sheet and free up uh, monthly cash flow going forward, as us accountants like to say. Mm, absolutely. Um, Eric, we're getting close to the end of the show here. If someone's listening and they'd like more information about the work that you provide, the services you provide, or just about the fitness CPA in general, where would they find that information? Yeah, we're at thefitnesscpa.com. I would encourage um, fitness businesses and even non-fitness businesses to check out our fitnesscpa.com backslash ERC. That's the employee retention credit. It's been in the news a lot lately, and I'll just mention it for 30 seconds here. This employee retention credit is worth, for most clients, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, It's a government stimulus program that is just starting to hit the mainstream now. We've got a lot of blogs and content about it on our website. And for businesses who have been open and affected by the pandemic, they're getting... um, literally thousands of dollars per employee that you kept employed during the worst months of the pandemic and during the worst months of your recovery. 
For new businesses who will be opening up now through the end of 2021, there is a new startup business um, item in that bill that allows newer businesses to claim it too, even if they weren't affected by the pandemic. We're seeing on average $57,000 back for individual fitness locations. And so um, while we only work with fitness businesses, we believe that you can get a lot of good content from our employee retention credit content and you can find somebody that can get that credit for you in another industry. We just want folks to have this information. Um, I, I can't stress how important this is. If you're listening, the employee retention credit is the most important thing you can do for your business in 2021. Be sure to see if you qualify. Um, you can do that on our website, um, thefitnesscpa.com backslash ERC, as in employee retention credit. And um, really encourage everybody for, uh, you know, staying on it and having a really good um, end to 2021. You know, I, I know some of us are still pushing through and struggling, um, but I'm, I'm really optimistic that, you know, the rest of this year is going to be positive for a lot of business owners, um, you know, across the nation. Yeah, absolutely. That is great information, Eric. And, uh, it, you know, that's something that many owners, many business owners, they don't really know that exists. And, one of the advantages that of um, being part of a franchise is the franchisor, um, the fr most franchisors, is that one-third of the franchisors are on top of uh, opportunities like this, and they pass that down to their franchisees. Uh, the problem with being an independent business owner is you don't know if you always have access. You don't always know that exists because you, you're just trying to spin all the plates. And this 2020, there were a lot of plates to spin and keep in the air. So I really appreciate you sharing that um, because that applies to everybody, right? Um, it applies to many, many businesses. Um, there are so many who fit into that category who you know didn't think they did. We had a client in South Dakota who didn't think they qualified and we got a hold of their numbers and we were able to show them that, um, you know, due to certain criteria, they actually got back $49,000 that they weren't expecting, you know, very wow. lucrative. And to the point that you were making, we have been contacted by many franchisors to do a presentation to their, you know, multiple hundred units on the employee retention credit. And so we are seeing franchisors, you know, take an investment because, that most of them do want their locations to be successful. And, you know, the more opportunities that they can put in front of their franchisees to take advantage of something like this means that they're all going to benefit from stronger units, you know, stronger balance sheets, stronger cash flows. And so, um, you know, you definitely will see that from many, many franchisors, perhaps even more than one third who are taking a proactive approach to update you on things that you need to be aware of both compliance, government, um, and opportunities that, that present in the industry. Wonderful. Eric, one more time, what is your website and how would people find out inf more information about you? Well, I'm Eric Killian. I am The Fitness CPA. You can find us at thefitnesscpa.com. Uh, we've got a wonderful blog there. We update pretty regularly with very helpful content. And we also have a YouTube channel, um, also thefitnesscpa.com. And we look forward to uh, hopefully helping some business owners have a really good 2021. Wonderful. Eric, thanks again for coming back on the show. And uh, I'd love to have you back close to the end of the year and see how far we've come. Absolutely, Linda. Would love to.
so so you know as we've been saying during this whole show that there have been industries that have really done well and then there have been those that have struggled but a lot of it just depends on that resilience that adaptability um in the um, holistic um, uh, industries, they talk about having an adaptogenic gene. And I think when you're a business owner, you have to have that gene as well. It's not necessarily linked to your health, but you have to be adaptable. It's sort of like playing tennis. You have to play tennis on the balls of your feet. So I want to leave you with a quote. And this is a quote by Cheryl uh, Sandberg. She is Facebook COO. And it goes like this, resilience is the strength and speed of our response to adversity. When we have adversity, it's up to us as to how quickly we respond to that. And that is what creates the, um, the response and the resilience. So thanks so much for joining me today on All Things Franchising, folks. And I'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.